You guys can turn with me, church, to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 12 through 18 this morning. Got a little bit of a ring there. That's all right. Uh, So many of you guys know that we're in the midst of a journey through this letter to the church in Philippi, um, written by the Apostle Paul. Remember that we've been talking about that. To a young church community there, about 12 years old, um, a little bit younger than Modesto Foursquare, which is almost 100. So we're we're ahead of this church um, in Philippi in years. And as their spiritual mentor in the faith, Paul intends... Um, to bring them great joy, right? We talked about that at the beginning of our, of our conversation, is this is the joy letter, right? It's meant to spur them on, encourage them um, in their mission to spread the good news, right? This, this gospel, I mean, this, this letter is all about the mission of the good news, right? The mission to take the whole gospel to the whole world, right? And so at his heart uh, to this body of believers is to help them see that in the good times and in the tough ones, right, life comes with both, right, good and bad. We know how that works um, on this side of heaven, right? We wish that it was all rainbows and butterflies, right? And maybe you were promised when you came to know Jesus that it was all going to be rainbows, right? But the reality is sometimes life throws us curveballs, right, difficulties and challenges. But in the midst of the good and the bad, that the Lord is still moving, right? He's still doing, he's still producing good fruit, right? In the midst of all of it, all the seasons of our lives, the Lord is still good to us, right? And so Paul argues that as we seek Jesus and walk in accordance to his plans and instructions, that what flows from our life is fruit that remains, right? As we seek to be obedient, right? That favorite O word that we have, obedience, as we seek to walk with Jesus, right? And we seek to follow him, we seek to honor him, we seek to love him, right? That out of that is good fruit, right? It's produced out of our lives. Jesus says in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you, right? Fruit that will last. Don't you and I, don't we want a life that produces good spiritual fruit, right? Don't we want that? Don't we want to live a life that pleases Jesus? How many of us would say that as us? We want to be pleasing to the Lord, right? We want to live a life that matters and leave a lasting deposit on those who are around us, right? Nobody comes into to being human, right? And just says, I want to live a life that nobody remembers, right? None of us say that, right? We all want to live a life that produces fruit and fruit that lasts, maybe for generations and generations and generations to come, right? And so with that, setting the stage for our conversation this morning, the title of this talk, if you're taking notes, is Fruit That Follows. Um, It was. It was. Thank you guys back there, sound team. You guys are excellent. We love you. That is an unthanked job back there. I, I, can, I can guarantee that. I've done sound lots of times, and you only get noticed when you do something wrong, right? So, but as, we're, as I was preparing to teach this passage this morning, thinking about this idea of obedience, this idea of fruit that follows, I was thinking about Ikea. Um, has anyone ever been to Ikea before? Um, I was thinking about all the Ikea furniture I put together in my life, or maybe Target furniture. I have a rule in my house. We're not allowed to buy a piece of Target furniture, which we actually just did. I didn't put it together, but there's no piece of Target furniture that we can buy that we have to put together that I have to put together, right? That's the rule. There's no more 
putting together Target furniture. But I can think of, you know, going to Ikea and you see these really great things, right? You walk through all these little, like, you could live in 300 square feet, right? And here's all the, you know, couches and all the things that fit together, right? And you see these really wonderful things and they look nice and you're like, that would look really good in my space, you know? And then you, you get it home, right? And you realize there's like a thousand pieces and there's like 12 boxes, right? Has anyone ever had that happen to them before putting together a piece of furniture? I would literally pay any amount of money to have somebody else put furniture together for me. Any amount of money. So you pull out the instructions, right? And you, it's like 29 pages long for a couch. We, we actually bought a couch when we were first married. It was green. Cassie picked it. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. So we went to Ikea and we said, this one's on sale. We're going to get this couch. We need a couch. Everybody needs a couch, right? Or you can sit on the floor, I guess, but... That's no fun. Um, so you pull out the instructions, and I decide most of the time, like 97% of the time, I don't need these stinking instructions, right? I don't need these things. I can figure it out, right? And then five hours later, and all the screaming and yelling at each other that you do uh, during those moments, you realize that there's all of these, quote, extra pieces, right? Like, those are optional. My brother would call them optional pieces. I remember working on cars with him, and we would rip these plastic pieces off of, I had this really junky 92 F1, I mean, um, Ford Ranger pickup truck, and I remember working on something, and my brother just rips this piece off. Oh, you don't need that part. It's, it's an optional piece, right? So we end up with all these optional pieces, and, and we end up thinking, oh, I'm pretty sure that when I sit on this couch that it's going to hold my weight, right, once I'm done, um, have you ever had an experience like this where you tried to put something together? I just, we just did yesterday. I put, put together a couple pieces of furniture from, from Target. But I can remember doing this early on in our marriage and, uh, and deciding I never wanted to do that again, right? Um, I'm going to buy a fully assembled couch uh, next time. And this idea of following the instructions is really at the core of our conversation this morning. Many times, I think as followers of Jesus, we just want to wing it, Right? Just going to kind of figure it out, right? I'm going to kind of do my own thing, right? Um, and the reality is that Christ has laid out very clear instructions for us, right? It's, it's in this book called the Bible, right? Lays it out. This is how you should live your life. There's pretty much no topic that he hasn't covered in here, right? These are the instructions by which we're supposed to live our lives, right? And so we're going to be talking this morning about his call to obedience, right? Which I think obedience is following the leading and the direction of the Lord, right? And what he's asking us to do, right? And so do we know this morning that the Lord might know better than we do, right? Do you think that maybe his instructions are, are better than our instructions, right? Do we know that God knows us even better than we know ourselves, right? Do we know that? Um, definitely our spouses, if you're married, they probably know you better than you know yourself also. Do you know that God gives us certain instructions for a reason, right? There's nothing in here that's like, you know, I just wanted to throw some weird thing in there and just see if they'll do it, right? No, he gives us instructions for a reason, guidelines for a reason. And do you know that his guidance is meant to prosper us, right? It's not meant to hold us back. It's not meant to discourage us. It's not meant to do anything besides allow us to prosper as followers of Jesus, right? He gives us these things to prosper us. But sometimes we see obedience as limiting, right? We think of all the things the Bible tells us to do, and 
we say that we can't just do whatever we want, right? And sometimes we just, we just want to do whatever we want, right? And so the Lord knows better than us. His way is better than our way, right? He knows, even though we don't always know, that his obedience produces good fruit, right? In our lives and in the lives of those around us, right? We're all connected, right? When we're following Jesus in obedience next to somebody else who's following Jesus in obedience, it makes us all better, right? We all work better together. In Matthew um, chapter 7, verses, I'm actually going to read 13 and 14 first, and then I'm going to read 16 through 20. It says, broad is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life, right? And so we, sometimes we want to take the broad road. We want to go in our own strength, our own ability, our own way, right? And, and that's the broad road, right? But narrow is the gate, right? And that's, that's what we're talking about this morning. We, we're talking about going through the gate, right? Obedience is going through the gate and allowing the Lord to lead us into life, right? Because... To me, fruit follows obedience, right? As we walk in accordance to God, as we walk in accordance to what he's telling us to do, he produces fruit out of our lives. He produces all the fruits of the Spirit, all the other things in our lives, right? In Matthew 7, verses 16 through 20, by the fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? That seems ludicrous, right? Of course we don't. Or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Makes sense. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Right? People will know that we are his disciples by the fruit that is produced in our lives. Right? People are looking to see if we as followers of Jesus, are we joyful? Right? Or are we just bummed all the time, right? Are, they're looking to see if we're honest, right? When, it's, when it doesn't benefit us to be honest, are we going to be honest people, right? They're looking to see if we're going to be generous, right? When it doesn't benefit us to be generous, but we are generous. People are watching the fruit of our lives to see if we really belong to Jesus, right? That's what that passage says. If you truly belong to Jesus, this fruit will be produced from your life, right? They will know that you belong to him, right? That you are a follower of Christ. And so with all that being said and laying the ground, the foundation, I want to dive in to Philippians 2, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not, in, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill the good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too shall be, should be glad and rejoice with me. Obedience. That's what Paul is talking about this morning. He, he tells this church community in Philippi that they have always obeyed the Lord's instructions in their lives. He's telling them, good job, 
well done, right? This is not like one of those, I mean, most of the other letters that Paul writes, he's not saying well done and good job. He's saying stop doing that, right? He's smacking their hand, right? Or hitting them in the face or, you know, whatever, hitting them with his cane, you know, whatever it might be. But he's telling them that they have been obedient, not just when people are watching them, but they've been obedient when no one is watching, right? They've been faithful when no one will ever see, right? The New Living Translation says they show the results of their salvation, right? They, they produced fruit. They are producing fruit as the church there in Philippi. And I remember my junior high school principal, right? You remember those little things from your childhood, he used to say you are defined by what you do when no one else is watching, right? Isn't that really at the core of kind of how we follow Jesus? Is it's, you know, we all come to church on Sunday and we, you know, slap hands and fist bump. Oh, everything's great and wonderful. Duh, you know, it's great. We put our hands up in the air and we can all pretend at least for two hours, right? But what do we do when we leave this place, when no one else is watching? Are we going to be obedient to what the Lord is telling us to do? Right? Because that's truly what produces fruit. It doesn't produce fruit to pretend for two hours. It produces fruit to follow Jesus all the days of our lives, right? And so this congregation was found obeying the Lord in all that they did. They were, quote, working out their salvation. I love that. I, I have to work my salvation. I don't know about you. Maybe you've got it all worked out. Jerry probably does. But for the rest of us, I love that we can work it out, right? That Sometimes we're going to fall and we're going to make a mistake, right? And that's, I want to preface our conversation this morning, right? God is a God of grace and mercy. Let's, let's settle that, right? When we mess it up, he still loves us, okay? But what he's calling us up to is a higher level of fruitfulness, a higher level of obedience when no one else is watching. But this congregation is truly living out what it means to be a Christian, right? Baby or little Christ, not baby Christ, little Christ, right? Um, they're following Jesus. And as a result, Paul says in verse 13, it is God who works in you and, and will and to act in, in order to fulfill his good purpose, right? And through their faithfulness, in their faithfulness to the things of God, the Lord was fulfilling his good purpose in them, right? Through their lives of obedience, they were producing much fruit. Their church was growing, right? People were coming to know Christ. People were being baptized in the Holy Spirit. People were starting to give of their tithes and offerings. People were devoting their lives to be poured out as drink offerings to the others around them, right? They were sharing with those in need. There were all these things that were coming about. All these fruits were coming out of their lives because of their obedience to Jesus. This church sought to fulfill his good purpose or do what pleases him, right? Not what pleased them, not what made their life easier, but what was pleasing to the Lord, right? You see, this is a heart of obedience. We, as followers of Jesus, we don't follow God out of obligation, right? We don't just we don't follow it because he bangs us over the head with it, right? We don't walk in accordance to his ways out of fear of punishment, right? That's not how we came into the, the kingdom of God either, right? It's fear of punishment. We came in because of his great love for us, right? We don't lay down our lives because we have to. We live out the guidelines that the Bible tells us because they're better than our ways, right? For one, God's ways are better than our ways. God's plans are better than our plans. Even when they don't make sense in our own minds, they're greater than our ways, right? And we also, we serve the Lord and we follow his instructions because we love him, right? Because he loves us and we love him in return. And out of our expression of love, we're obedient to God. 
Because He's given us everything. He's poured out all of Himself upon us. And so, again, as Paul says, will we pour our lives out as a drink offering to God to, to express to Him how much we love Him and we honor Him, right? And even more than that, we get to serve Jesus with a cheerful heart, right? Nobody wants to, like, begrudgingly serve God, right? Like, mm, I don't really want to go to church this morning, right? But I'm going to go to church, right? Like, I don't really want to give my tithes and offerings, but I'm going to give them anyways, right? That, what fun is in that, right? What joy is in that? God wants us to serve him out of an expression of, his, of our joy, right? That he pours upon our lives out of an expression of our love, right? Paul says that we should follow Christ without complaining, grumbling, or arguing, right? That's hard. That's hard to do those things. But it's all about the heart. What are the intentions of our hearts? Are we going to serve the Lord out of obligation or out of a cheerful heart? I love how the New Living Translation again says it. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. As we walk in obedience to the Lord, we become lights in the darkness, right? As we follow his instructions, people can see that there is something different about us, right? Christians should not be the ones that are on Facebook bashing everybody else, right? We should be the ones that when we go into any space, work or home or the grocery store or wherever we are, that we should be the lights, we should be the joys, we should be the hope, we should be the peace, we should be the love, right? That's what we should be. We shouldn't be the ones that are stirring all the stuff up and making everybody feel bad about themselves, right? We should be the ones that are beacons of love in our world, right? As people watch us love the unlovable, as people watch us giving generously, right? As people notice that we speak differently to one another, we speak differently to our children, we speak differently to our kids, People should realize that we conduct our business with integrity and with honesty, right? People view our passion towards others. They see our obedience. They see that Jesus lives inside of us, right? We're not meant to be the crotchety mean people, right? We're not meant to be the ones that are just standing on the corner and yelling fire and brimstone at people. That's not how you probably came to know Jesus. You came to know Jesus because the God of love stepped into your life and saved you and rescued you, right? And so our lives should look different from the world because the very Spirit of God lives inside of us. How that works, I don't know, but it's awesome, right? As they see the obedience in our lives, they will see the Jesus that lives inside of us, right? Don't we want that to be said of us? That they don't see me, they don't hear me, but they see and they hear the very King of kings, the Lord of lords that lives and dwells in me and is expressed through me, right? That even when I want to go out and be a knucklehead to somebody, right, that somehow the Spirit of God transforms my thought process and he allows me to be love. He allows me to be joy. He allows me to have peace, right? That even when my kids are screaming and yelling, that, and I want to scream and yell, right? 
ever had those moments, or your spouse, or somebody, right? That instead of that, God stops me, and he enables the Spirit of God to flow through my life, right? Christians should be beacons of joy. We should be the most joyful people on planet Earth. We should be pillars of hope, right? When things seem hopeless, don't we want it to be said of us that we're people of hope, that we come in and say, you know what? I don't know how God's got this, but he's got it. I'm gonna, let me pray for you, right? And let God do his thing, right? When maybe there's a bad prognosis or bad diagnosis or bad whatever that we step in the middle and we know, you know, I don't know how God's going to sort it out. I'm not as smart as God, but I know that he's a God of hope and he can work in that situation, right? Don't we want to be those people? We should be the most faithful and generous people on planet Earth. We should be fixing all the problems. We shouldn't be waiting for Uncle Sam to come in and fix it all. Let's fix it. If there's people who are hungry, right, Scripture says, let's feed them. If there's people who need clothes, let's give them clothes. If they need a blanket, let's give them a blanket. If they want all of our donuts, let's give them all, right? Let's be the most generous people on planet Earth, right? The government does what it does because the church has given up its authority to fix issues in our world. We have given it away. We've given it away because we've become so focused on what we do in our little buildings and all the things that it takes to take care of that that we don't actually give away generously to organizations and things in our community that are doing the work, right, to help people, right? This is obedience, right? We serve and we follow God who is all of these things. He is loving. He is kind. He is hopeful, He is generous. He is faithful. We serve God in those things because he is those, and he flows those through our lives like a river, right? And as we walk in obedience, as Paul says in verse 17, that we're poured out like a drink offering, right? That's not an easy thing to read and do, right? It's really, I mean, maybe it's easy to read, but it's not an easy thing to do, right? We don't, like, always go out in our lives and wake up in the morning and say, you know, God, I just really want to be poured out like a drink offering, right? All me. I want all of me to just be poured out, right? Just giving out, you know, just poke a hole in the bottom of that bag and just let it all come out, right? But we should be poured out, offering all of ourselves to the Lord, holding nothing back, all of our possessions to God, all of our time to the Lord. All of us. He wants all of us. God didn't come to save part of us or use part of us. He wants it all. And he's not going to be happy until he's got it all, right? He's not a God of just a little bit. He wants it all from us. And we see that Paul promises that when we walk in obedience, that fruit will follow. He says, as we hold firm to the word of life, that we will see a great move of God in our lives, in our ministry to those around us. Don't we want to see a great move of God? Right? Don't we want to see that? Don't we want to see God move in our world? Don't we want to see people come to know Jesus, right? I don't think any of us are in here to play church, right? We want to see God move, right? However he wants us to. Well, that requires obedience. That requires submission. That requires being poured out as a drink offering. We want all the good stuff, but we don't want to do what it takes over here, right? Sometimes it can be hard to see in the midst of this, right? Have you ever had a moment, maybe you haven't, maybe God just like is on cue for you, but sometimes his, his schedule is a little different, right? 
I think I'm going to take that up with God when I, when I, uh, when I go to heaven. Um, but maybe we can be doing the, the right thing for a long time and we don't see the fruit happen as quickly as we want, right? Maybe we feel like we're stuck in that sowing season, right? We're, God, I'm so tired of just planting seeds. Like, I want to see something grow, right? I had this section of my lawn that uh, died, um, and then my kids pulled it out, which, of course, they do. They, they think they're, I don't know what they're doing, making like a smoothie or something, I think they say. And I planted these seeds, right? You get the little seeds, and then you put them down. You're trying to repatch the grass, and you're just like, it's like you're looking at your watch, like, when is this going to grow, right? And then this one section grew really quick, right? Like, immediately grew, and this other section didn't grow at all. And you're just like, what? You know, you spend like 20 bucks to buy this seed. And, you know, I'm, I'm a cheapskate, so you, you want it to work the first time. You don't want to pay a second time, right, to do this. And we planted maybe three or four months ago or maybe two months ago. And this last week, I go out, and this section I had, I had planted a while ago was starting to sprout, right? And I was upset over here that it wasn't growing as fast as I wanted to, but eventually, with the right nourishment and the right water and the right light and all these things, those seeds began to grow, right? And sometimes that is how it is with the Lord. Paul tells us to keep up the good work even when we don't see the fruit immediately. He reminds us that obedience always produces good fruit. Maybe not in our timing. Sometimes it takes longer than we want it to. Maybe it costs us more than we want it to cost, right? But Paul says in verse 16 that he did not run in vain, right? No movement for the Lord is wasted, Right? No seed planted is wasted. No gift of generosity is lost. Right? No act of love is in vain. I love, and I had this in my office as a youth pastor for the 10 years that we were in Manteca, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I, I used to read this to myself often. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We used to have, the church we came from, Manteca, it was on about, I don't know, eight or ten acres, and there was a gate that we would lock, you know, when we, it was out in the country, and, and, and there were moments on Wednesday nights I'd be there all day, you know, I would, I'd come there at nine o'clock in the morning, and I'd be there until ten o'clock at night when youth group was over on Wednesdays. And there were times when I was like, God, I'm done, right? I just wanted to lock the gate and throw my keys back over the fence, right? The kids didn't respond how I wanted them to. You know, my, I thought my message was so good. I thought worship was so good. I thought whatever. And there's nobody here to help me. All those grumbling and complaining things that we do, right? Nobody wants to come help me. Not even somebody wants to bring snacks. You know, all these things you feel in ministry, right? And in life, right? You ever felt like that? God, I'm doing everything I need to do, and you're not holding up your end of the bargain, and neither is anybody else in this place, right? Maybe you don't feel that way. There were times when I did not feel like my obedience was being honored. There were moments when I wanted to throw in the towel, and I'm sure you felt the same way. There were seasons where I could not see the fruit that God was promising, right? Maybe in my family or wherever it might have been. There are points in life where I had to stand firm on the truth of the word, right? What it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain, right? And so if that's you this morning, know that what you're doing to serve Jesus, it's not in vain. 
the fruit is coming. God is doing something. Maybe those seeds don't, don't grow for three, four, five months, years, whatever it might be, but God won't let your labor be in vain. It says that no movement for the Lord is wasted. It says that a life of obedience will create good fruit. It says if you're obedient, God will do good fruit in your life. He will. It's going to happen, right? And so we can stand in the reality of Scripture. How, many, how often have you in your life, and, and me for me, maybe you don't see something happening and you just have to go back to the Word and say, you know what? God said. God said. He said it. I don't see it. I don't necessarily even believe it. But he said it. And so I have to stand in what he said, not in how I feel in that moment, right? And so do you believe that with me this morning? Do you believe that your obedience, in your obedience, the Lord will prove himself good? Paul speaks of this in verse 18. Be glad and rejoice with me, right? Rejoice because you know that the Lord is good and he only produces good things in your life. Rejoice because you know that your God, he will come through. He is faithful. Rejoice because serving Jesus produces great joy within us, right? Produces great joy within us. We should be the most joyful people on planet earth. Whenever we walk in a room, we should shine like joys all over us, right? How many of us would say that's not always me, right? <laughs> We're joyful because we, we get to be loved by Jesus. We're joyful because we get to serve Jesus. What an honor it is that God would welcome a knucklehead like me and you into his plans, right? I'm not, I'm nothing. We're nothing without God, but he welcomes us and invites us to be a part of what he's doing in our world. Isn't that, like, astonishing, right? We have joy because of that. We get to be, we get to see and be a part of the great fruits of Jesus. That should produce joy. Serving Jesus should produce joy in our hearts and our lives, right? It should be all, all over us. And we will be, as Paul says in verse 15, then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. I want that to be said of me and of you because there is truly no greater mission than the calling of serving Jesus. No greater mission, no greater thing on planet earth than serving Jesus. I'm going to have the worship team come back up this morning. And Jessica, you could go grab the kids. We're going to have some time together this morning to respond. Um, and I want... I want our kids to be a part of that. I want them to see what God is doing. I want them to be involved in the ministry. Kids' ministry doesn't happen in these little rooms that we have around our building. It happens when they see the God of the universe move in our lives. And what happens in those classes is awesome, but we want them to be a part of things as well. And so I want to pose a couple questions to us. Question number one. What are the areas of your life that you are keeping from the Lord? I'm going to start out with an easy one. Where are we not offering all of ourselves to Jesus? Maybe this morning you have never met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's welcoming you into his family this morning and saying, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Maybe 
you have a coworker that you've been meaning to invite to church and you just can't build up the oomph to get him here. Maybe you've never been a tither. You've never given 10% to the Lord and trusted him in that area of his life. And God is saying, it doesn't make sense in your brain, but I'm telling you, it makes sense in the kingdom, right? Maybe you have someone in your life that you've wronged. You know you've been wrong. You know you've done the wrong thing. You know you've chose, chosen disobedience. And he's asking you to go and repent to that person and say, you know what, I was wrong. I did that wrong. Ask for forgiveness. Whatever it might be, we all have areas that are unsubmitted to Jesus. And he's asking us this morning, let's do this. Let's tackle this. Let's, let's get into alignment. Let's be obedient. Because from obedience, right, produces fruit, right? And disobedience keeps us from fruit. He wants us to surrender and to obey and to be poured out like a drink offering to him. So where have we been unsubmitted to Jesus? And second, where are the areas of your life that you want to see more fruit? Maybe you need the God of miracles in your marriage. Maybe you need the Lord to work in your finances. Maybe you have a child that's strayed from the Lord. Whatever it is, God wants to bring great fruit into your life. He wants to work as a God of miracles. The same God, right, yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that is in this Bible who does these things, right? Who heals people and restores people and works in people's lives, right? He is the God that exists right here, right now, in this place. And He wants to bear fruit in your life. He wants you to lay all of yourself at His feet and say, God, whatever you, you want to do, I, I'm, I'm here for. Right? And so would you stand with me this morning? If you can, stand. And I want to invite the elders of the church to be released to pray. If you need a touch from Jesus, I just want you to start coming on down front. There's nothing special about this place in the front except for it's a physical representation to say, God, I lay all of you at your feet. And if you can't come down, just lift up your hand and we will send somebody to you to pray for you. But God wants to do some miracles this morning. He wants to work in some powerful ways. And so let's let Him do that in our lives, right? Let us become more submitted to His ways so that we can see him move in ways we've never seen before. I don't want to see what our church saw 10 years ago. I want to see what God wants to do right now, right? And it's something new and it's something fresh. So let me pray over you. And then Paul and his team are going to lead us in worship. And let's just come forward and receive from the Lord and be prayed over. And if you need something from the Lord, Steve's in the back. Can somebody go to Steve and lay hands on him? There's some anointing oil over here. Jesus. We thank you that you are a God of miracles. We thank you, Lord, that you want all of us. You want us to hold nothing back from you, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, God. You want all of us. And so, Lord, we lay all of ourselves at your feet this morning, Lord, knowing that you want to work in powerful ways, knowing that you want to heal, knowing that you want to restore, knowing, Lord, that you want to draw people back to yourself, God, knowing that you want to bring salvation. 
Lord, knowing that you want to work in ways that we can't even imagine. So God, this morning we just invite your presence to this space that is already here and we say, God, rain on us, pour out on us like you've never poured out on us before. We don't want to go back to what 10 years ago was. We want to come right now knowing that you're going to move in this space in a new and a fresh way, God, that you have new things for Modesto Foursquare, God. You have new things for our city. You have new things for our community and we embrace all of that. Let us be a people of obedience. Let us walk in your ways and see the fruit, God, that you promise us, God. We know that we don't sow seeds in vain, Lord, but that you bring all things to fruition. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together and pray and receive ministry. Ooh.